Welcome to The Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director, and Sebastian Dennison, Clinical Compounding Pharmacist. Welcome to PCCA Podcast, and this is episode four. I am your host, Mike Delisio, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sebastian Dennison. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, thank you very much for listening today. Uh, for those of you that tuned into episodes two and three, uh, we obviously discussed different topics from the state of the union and compounding um, and to how to market your practice. Uh, but we're going to be getting into a lot more deeper information today, um, and hence the reason why we decided to break up this topic in two separate episodes, and there will be episode four and five. Um, as we get into the world of clinical testing and analytical analysis for compounding preparations and what this means for non-sterile chapter USP 795 and the world of beyond use dating and uh, extensions of finished good preparations. So uh, with that being said, we are extremely privileged to have the Chief Executive Officer of Eagle Analytical, uh, Ross Caputo. Thank you so much, Ross, for being with us today. Well, thank you. My pleasure. Uh, Ross has over 26 years of management experience in the regulated healthcare industry in both international and domestic markets. He has authored over 30 publications and currently serves as CEO for Eagle Analytical, as I mentioned. Uh, so welcome to the show, Ross. Um, we're going to have a ton of questions, and we're going to have the ability to kind of let you discuss what Eagle's position is in our marketplace. Um, we're going to talk a bit more about USP 795, as I mentioned, and get into the world of beyond use stating. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, like I said, welcome, and I'll let you discuss a bit more about what Eagle does and um, the position of Eagle in our market. Before you get started, everyone, I want everyone to buckle in, get ready. You're going to be drinking from a fire hose. Ross is uh, so incredibly knowledgeable, and our content is going to be very, very interesting, very heavy uh, with technical details. So get your pens out, get ready, and start writing. Well, I, I, I think that was... Uh meant to be positive but oh yeah <laughs> i love this information uh we are uh, uh first of all it's my pleasure to be here and to talk to all of those who are listening and i think it would be it would be well served if i explained to you what eagle is today and what eagle was some 14 years ago when it was uh, when it was started eagle analytical services was started in 2004 and today we're called eagle the laboratory is still part of that to be sure, but when Eagle Analytical Services first started, its job and its focus was to do the basic testing as required by the the then marketplace in uh, in pharmacy world to know what basically some potencies were, some attributes were of products of certain formulas, but to be sure it was in its infancy. Today we have morphed into Eagle Services, which has consulting groups, it has engineers, it has uh, very sophisticated analytical chemistry laboratories and microbiology laboratories. And we are very much a regulated group ourselves. We are FDA regulated. We are FDA registered. We are DEA registered. We're state uh, state registered, EPA. If you think of a registration, we probably have it or we'll be getting it or need to have it. What that means is we follow very carefully, very closely, and are required to follow very specific and strict rules of science. 
and strict rules of regulation which usually usually reflect the rules of science. Many times the regulations are more strict than the science rules, but they never can go against the science. We are a science-based company. We do not um, have the ability to say, we've done it that way for years, therefore it's okay. We have to know why it's been okay for those years. We have to run the controls, the systems, the data, the qualifications, the numbers, the statistics, to understand where all of that fits in. We have morphed from a group of four or five folks to right now Eagle is uh, going past 50 pretty quickly with PhDs in analytical chemistry, microbiology, uh, master's degrees and all of the above, master's degrees in engineering because we are in a science world. We're data driven, we are data analysis driven and all of that gets applied back to your practice, the practice of pharmacy of how products can be compounded safely and effect effectively so that we can in fact treat patients who need it. We can treat them in a personalized fashion, a specialized fashion with dosage forms and, and, and basic formulas that are just simply not available in a commercial bulk grade. The whole aspect of pharmacy compounding has always been in our mind one of personalized medicine and personalized medicine means uniqueness. And uniqueness requires a data set to prove that it does in fact work the way you think it works and it continues to work for as long as that product is in front of you. This is not always something that can be gleaned from literature references, but much in the literature tells you what direction to go. It's our job at Eagle to support those who need us, those who want us, to in fact make sure that we have the data to say that this is how it works and why it works. So our chief technical officer has been a friend of mine for about 30 years, was the associate director of the FDA in CEDAR. He is in fact the head microbiologist at USP of the expert committee. I speak of Dr. David Husong, a close friend and a, and a person who understands the applications of regulations as they benefit people. Food and Drug Administration gets a lot of bad raps but the number one thing that the Food and Drug Administration is supposed to do is to help us manage safety. That is their sole purpose. It's not to prevent anything. Sometimes I think we feel that, but the fact is safety is something that needs to be fail-safe, not work sometimes, but fail-safe. We at Eagle take very serious the science-based applications that we apply in this process. 795, as currently written, and as, in fact, will continue to be rewritten and revisited in the future, uh, next 12 months to 14 months, really applies a lot of science that has come from the pharmaceutical industry, where I worked for decades, that is well known and understood. It is not discovery. It is application. When we put together systems to know that products are potent, that products are safe, and that they maintain that safety and efficacy over the shelf life of the period, it's done just based in science. It's not opinion, it's not a reference check, it's science, numbers and data and statistics to apply. So I'm sure we'll get into many things, but the world of stability indicating assays and BUDs is something that has been well known and used and it actually belongs very much in our hands 
to use as a tool so that we can better serve our patients. So I, I, I talked about the intersection between technology and clinical application. And so this is one of the intersections that we're talking about is the utilization of scientific driven information that we can then uh, reproduce and replicate and then stand upon when we're actually at the clinical counter with our patients saying we have a beyond use date of X. We have the information to back it up. We have the ability to clinically deliver medications in a consistent form, uh, format. So we're gonna we're gonna dive deep. First thing you said, stability indicating assay. What the? You know, I'm a pharmacist and I've been around the block a number of times, but I always like to revisit the, some of this terminology. So I'm gonna jump in and ask you for clarification. And that's gonna be the first one. Stability indicating assay. How does this fit in? What it, what does this mean? What oh. does this mean to our world? Okay, so put your feet up. Get a cup of coffee or a glass of wine, whichever you choose at this time. Uh, it's fairly early here, so I'm going to stick with the coffee. This is why we've decided to do this over two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, stability indicating assay is, uh, is a fundamental term which indicates that if I am testing product A, and if product A breaks down into subparts, that when I test it, I can tell the whole A from the part A. So stability indicating means very specifically, I can tell the whole from the parts. And the interesting part that I like to remind everybody is that if you put A plus B together, you will get different parts. They will react with each other. So as we know, some compounds and some opportunities require multiple APIs. And multiple APIs do not react the same as a single API. So each and every one of the different combinations of APIs need to be analyzed together. Well, let me ask myself a question. Well, how do you do that? What you do is you take product A again and you beat it up. You break it down. How do you break it down? You use pH, you acid or base, you lose light, you use heat, you use agitation, you use anything you can to break the product down into its subparts and pieces. Just as if you were sitting on your shelf for several years. And think of the word years. I want you to use the word years, not the 30 days or 45 days, but use years because we want to know that if by chance something unique happens, that a breakdown product that should happen every sort of like the floods in Harvey, every 500 years you should have, we just happen to have two in the same month, that, that when that probability becomes an event, that you'll be able to measure it. It is a controlled laboratory experience. It is not something I'm going to sit and say, I think it's sensitive to light. I'm going to go stand in the parking lot for an hour and see what happens. No, you're going to put it in a specific a radiation chamber that measures the amount of light that is put into it in an analytical fashion so that you know exactly the dose of insult that you put on this product. So I can tell you how much the methylcobalamin broke down in light. Not by as a cloudy day or a halfway sunny day, it was in Ohio versus Texas. Very measured, very controlled. But it doesn't stop with just the API. If you put an API in a product and then you begin to change different bases, different materials, 
if you put it in a paloxamer versus a Vaseline versus a cream, all of those activities will alter the degradation dosage forms that occur. One might be more stable in an oil versus a liquid. Every time a stability indicating assay is discussed, you must absolutely identify exactly what the drug or drugs were, how it was put together, and in what it was put together. Before I confuse anybody, I did say how it was put together. Did you shake it? Did you mix it? Did you let it sit? Because I just described mechanical insult. Mechanical insult will take a product, for instance, a large molecule, let's just say HCG, which is a large molecule. If you shake it too hard, you will break it up. It will break its two subunits, the A prime and B prime subunits will cleave, period. This is not negotiation, it's not discussion, it will happen. There are individuals who have time tried to use sonication to mix it. Not one of the better ideas to do because you can see that has some, if it cleans your diamond ring, it might cleave a bond too that's pretty unstable. So in general, stability indicating assays attempt to answer the question that whatever insult your product may get over the shelf life that you choose to do, that you will be able to tell the whole from the part. That is why frozen is always better if it can be frozen because there's fewer molecules moving, less degradation. As with refrigeration, as versus room temperature. So that's that straight thing. We'll go back to your chemistry classes, Arrhenius plots. Every time you're gonna laugh now, right? Remember oh, yeah. Arrhenius plots? Okay. For every you 10 just degrees. Made everyone shudder when you talked about that, by the way. <laughs> every 10 degrees warmer, 10 degrees C warmer, the rate of the reaction doubles. So if in fact the rate of the reaction is degradation, it will degrade twice as fast. And that's how it works. Yes, go back to school. Take that note. That was on the bottom of the page, left-hand side. Arrhenius <laughs> plot. Some Greek was hanging out somewhere. Don't know. But all of that science is very well known, very well documented. And what happens is that when you understand the fundamental basic of the chemistry of the molecule, you can then apply it to, ready, the formulation BUD. Do not confuse chemical stability of an API with the final product going out the door. They are merely related. They are not identical. And we need to know what they are to put them out there. Our formula plus says we have taken APIs in a mixture, put together in a specific way, and that chemistry is stable for that period of time. Not just the API, the entire chemistry of the entire formula. That is key. That is critical. No piggly wiggly olive oil. It's got to be the right stuff that goes in the right time because all of those things have to do with the stability and instability of the final formula all of those things together. It's a holistic thing that you're putting together and it must be treated and discussed in that fashion. The controls that we put together, we at Eagle put together with the chemists and based on the history and based on the molecules are an attempt to make sure that we over exert energy into the final formulation so that we can pick up pieces that may never exist in a routine shelf life but that if it did, we would see it. Because please remember, 
that when you purchase an API from a manufacturer, it already has its own internal stability that you're dealing with. So it may already have a breakdown product that you may or may not know. That's why it's critical that you understand the quality of the API that you get in the first place, where it fits. All the glitters is not gold. It is not that way. You have got to make sure that the total process is controlled as much as possible from soup to nuts. And when it's not controlled, you need to understand the ramifications of it. Ross, um, you gave a very in-depth explanation of stability indicating assets. Um, just to take things back a sec, why is this so important for where we are right now? And how will it be important for all comp compounding pharmacies moving forward? Well, the, the regulations in the pharmacy world, and we'll talk regulations for just a minute, have, and I, I apologize if this isn't the right way to say it, but this is me, uh, have caught up with the rest of the science world. These rules and requirements and methodologies and systems and data analysis specific software packages that are required to use with 95% confidence limits, I can go on with these details, have been listed in world standards, federal standards, for decades. They are now being applied to pharmacy compounding. They are now being required. Certain state boards, and those of you already know which boards are more strenuous than others. Best way for me to say that. Strenuous. Give, it, give us an example, because I know one of mine. <coughs> California. Oh, uh, <laughs> L.A. Anyway, <laughs> um, have already indicated the use of stability-indicating assays as a requirement. Uh, as a scientist, I, I don't know why you wouldn't use a stability-indicating assay. I just, it, to me, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, to, because... Stability indicating assays to do a BUD are beyond the shadow of a doubt the right way to do it. Now, I don't want to confuse anybody, but if I wanted to do a time zero study on a perfect product that I already just made from a, a, a quality API that I bought with quality bases and quality excipients, I'm not as concerned about stability indicating because nothing degraded. It wasn't stressed. It wasn't put in the light. It wasn't put in heat. It didn't go in the FedEx truck and they left it over the weekend in the warehouse at 124 degrees. You know, that's the room temperature number, right? So time zero, when we used to do at pharmacy was potency over time, was just to do a potency test. Any sort of potency test, not knowing what it was, whether it could pick up degradants or not, just looking to see if that molecule simply tells you the existence of something that you are testing. It doesn't tell you what it's composed of. That it does not tell you. Stability indicating assay says it is this drug and nothing else because all the other peaks are discriminated. They are separated out. Potency over time says it may or may not. We don't know. We have tested a dozen potency tests. And you can find maybe 10 out of the 12 are happen to be stability indicating. The other two, not so much. Okay, and that, so what happens now is the rules have changed. They're prescriptive. It says stability indicating. Those of the listeners that are 503B, not only do you not have a vote that it's stability indicating, but you almost must do three batches. And so they, they throw in process control and process validation in a system to the same thing as stability indicating. And at the, at the end of the day, all it's trying to do, all these systems are trying to do is, is to apply known science 
in a specific situation. Now, everyone has indicated in questions that USP methods may or may not be used. I want you to know that not all USP methods are stability indicating. They don't claim to be stability indicating. Stability indicating methods require all sorts of activities for linearity, accuracy, precision, all this, this kind of statistical analysis that USP methods, especially the old ones, may have had one or two tests done to see if they look like the identity is there or it's the same thing, but not to the extent that we do it today. Are some of them very good stability indicating assays? Yes. Are some not? Absolutely. Some are not. Some would not pass. But that's not their intent. It's not their intent to be used with products that could have degraded. A USP monograph isn't in, indeed put together to identify the actual product, the API, or however it's described within the monograph. But stability indicating is now the law of the land. Even in those pharmacy boards who have yet to adopt that kind of activity, I would caution everyone to, every now and then, you ought to just consider doing the right thing. And it is the right thing in science to know what you're doing is correct. We're not making paper clips. We're making drugs, and we're putting it on people. Well, that, that's kind of where we know the evolution of pharmacy is going, is we're, we're all expected to evolve at some point and become better in our practice. And the utilization of these tools that are available to us have, has to go hand in hand with this changing the regulations. And so we're not so, as a clinician, the regulations are changing. Therefore, we need to, to follow the regulations, but we're providing the tools that are going to keep us ahead or if, if not even, even a little bit advanced of what the regulations are considering. Because like you said, some state boards haven't started adopting them yet. And so Eagle unto itself has said, this is a standard, this is where we need to be, and this is how we're going to keep moving forward with, with understanding of, of technology and utilization of these tests to ensure the best outcomes, and at the end of the day, for our patients. So, so I guess the next question for you is, uh, we've got 795, we've got these regulations changing, we've got our testing occurring. And now you're talking about process. We're talking about the actual mixing. We're talking about uh, formulations. How are we integrating what we're doing, so to speak, like in the testing procedure? I, I'm, I'm out here in, in the ether and I'm sending you a sample. What am I asking? What should I be asking for? How does this roll out? What should I be providing for you? And then let's talk about some of those other pieces that you would like to address for our for for our members how do what are we what are you doing to ensure what we're doing is going to be in line and how can you utilize that information to ensure our patients aren't affected i, I guess that's a very nebulous question but i think you know where i'm well, going i please like enlighten yeah. me as a as a clinician how how we can integrate this into our practice and what you're doing well i i think we are trying to be a partner we are not pharmacists. When I told you the list of people that we had at the group, we do not have a pharmacist on staff. We are only scientists. And what we attempt to do and partner with you is you have the patient in front of you. You are the clinician. You are working with the consultation group. Would we ask you, when you send us a sample, you want a potency test on product ABC, you, we request the formula worksheet. We request to have the lot number, expiry dates, and all the activity that lets us do, frankly, a, a, a 
chain of custody traceability to know what we have. When we are dealing with Formula Plus, we know exactly how you made it, what you did, and we know that we have tested every one of those with, by the way, stability indicating assay. Every BUD test, chemistry test, has been done with the stability indicating assay. That's the definition of Formula Plus. So we know that the methods that we use, that if you had a degradation product for any reason, we'd be able to tell the difference between the actual potency and the perceived potency. We partner with you. Sometimes not everyone likes it, but when you fail your test, we call you. We let you know what's going on and say this is an issue. A discussion ensues. The discussion ensues not on will we test again and do it. No, that doesn't happen. You do not test to pass. You test your sample. We give you back the data. We would have already tested it twice, frankly, sometimes four times, just so that you know that, because we make sure our science is correct. The amount of statistics that we go through in analysis of our machines and our activities is at the 1% level. We, there isn't any, any way that we can make a, uh, an error of plus or minus 25%. It just, it just can't happen. Now, people are human. If someone put the wrong thing on the wrong machine, different story, but our documentation picks that up. So we call you and we tell you this. We also will tell you that if we are getting a number consistently because we actually will plot your data for you without you knowing it. We know if you are routinely high or routinely low. We know that if you are better on some products versus other products. We do that ourselves because we want to make sure that our methods and our methodologies are working and are applicable across all pharmacies, not just within the same pharmacy. There's between and among pharmacies. Four technicians in Dallas at the same pharmacy have the same variability, or do they, as four pharmacists in California doing the same formula. So we analyze that statistically so that we can give you back the right data in the right, right uh, context. I think context is important. We do not uh, make any sort of decision or, or conceptualize uh, anything beyond what we see on the pieces of paper. We will always ask the questions of, are you sure that you stored it correctly? Did you ship it correctly? It is not acceptable if a refrigerated product to get its initial refrigeration on coolant blocks in the, F, in the Federal Express truck. It doesn't work. You need to refrigerate it before you put it in there. I just want you to know that. It's a pretty well-known fact to a scientist, <laughs> well-known fact to the scientist, but the farmer says, yeah, hey, I put on the cooler blocks, it's four o'clock, I'm going home, I'm going to ship it out, have a nice day. I'm going to recommend you don't do that. <laughs> so so what you're saying is, A, you're kind of like a very strong oversight, you can see all this data. So you're like a high-tech Santa Claus on one level. Hmm. We know what we're, You know what we're doing in the pharmacy level, you can see it. But I guess the next part to this is, you, you touched on Beyond Use State, Formula Plus, Beyond Use States. Um, we're seeing this in the industry. We're seeing it kind of come up from everyone. We know what we're doing in-house, but I would like to give you an opportunity to address like what we're seeing in the industry with, with beyond you states coming from um, other places. Are they all equal? Uh, well, no. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm asking. How, you how, tell how, me the truth. Well, I'll, I'll be like, I'll be like my, my father used to say to me, how does no sound? Uh, no, they're not. Uh, you you will uh, back to all the glitters is not gold. 
you see publications of data saying that someone used a stability indicating assay and they, they show a, a concentration or a graph or something that is just fraught with show me the work where's your data this is this is not correct it looks like somebody photocopied something from a piece of paper when we do stability indicating assays the amount of time and effort that we spend on it and the data that are collected can no way be uh, put down and condensed in a page and a half of anything. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, this is not a, a multiple choice test. It's not a true or false test. This is an essay. And to do otherwise, the amount of information that comes out without annotation, without discussion of controls, without discussion of process, but a some of them, I, I just saw one the other day that, that I tried not to laugh because it was sad. They said, well, we follow the federal rules. I don't even know what that means. What federal rule? What day? What issue? Where, where did it come from? I don't. I don't get that. Uh, but it's it's uh, and, and I I don't want to offend anybody. But it's marketing, it's sales. And sorry, uh, but we're scientists. We we want to see the data. We want to we want to feel that. And I have not seen in in the majority of the data that is coming out today because it's a big deal. Everyone wants to say I have stability indicating. Well. Formula Plus and PCCA formulas have been around for years, and data has always been collected. We have been collecting data for years and years and improving on our data and making it even doing more sample size and doing the same data from different parts in the country to have different things done. We have data that people don't even know that you should have data from. And that's the kind of data that you need to have when you are talking about drug safety and drug pieces. All this other stuff, I... Uh, I, I uh, I don't really know how to answer your question without sounding bad. And I, I, my, I remember in, in uh, Bambi's, you know, Thumper's mother said, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. So I'm going to hold back on, on saying much more than that. I apologize. But, but you don't, no need to apologize. <laughs> Once again, uh, thank you, Ross, uh, for sharing so much information and so much content on such an interesting topic. I know it's um, – a lot more detail. We have obviously decided to, to split this whole discussion into two separate episodes. Uh, so thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into episode four. We will be back in two weeks, uh, continuing with episode five, where we will have Ross back with us in the studio. And we will continue to discuss beyond new stating and the world of analytical chemistry. Um, we'd like to Ask you to follow us on our PCCA blog site for great articles um, and obviously to like and subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss one. Um, once again, on behalf of Sebastian and myself, Ross, we thank you very much and we will be back in two weeks with our continued discussion. Thanks again.